Our Lady and the Devil in Your Spiritual Warfare by Charles Frowney Charles is the author of Slaying Dragons and its sequel, The Rise of the Occult, was just released. He has written several other books. Charles has long been involved in Catholic education and spiritual warfare. He is married and has four children. A brief Q&A period follows his talk from the micro-conference, Fatima, Why the Time is Now, given in Charlotte, North Carolina, on February 12, 2023. Thank you again for uh, inviting me to be one of the speakers for this uh, event. I'm also, when it comes to the books, just so everybody knows, I'm working on what I call a sequel to Slaying Dragons. It should be out before Easter, God willing. It's uh, completed. It's being reviewed by uh, a lot of people I've collected to uh, support me, and it deals with the issues of the occult, which is a ubiquitous problem right now, and that factors into my talk. So I've never given a talk on Fatima and spiritual warfare, so crafting this talk was actually quite the intellectual journey. I may be a little ambitious, what I tried to do, but I think it will be um, helpful. There's a little hope scattered in there, but we live in dark times, so a little bit of a, a disclaimer there. So what I've decided to do, what I, I feel I hope I was inspired to do, was to put Fatima, Our Lady's appearance at Fatima, into the context of the greater problems the church has been dealing with for the past now 150 years. And I think there we see why the problems we're dealing with now are connected to Fatima and spiritual warfare together. So we'll do a brief prayer just to entrust this talk to Our Lady. In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So one of the things I decided to do was to look at Our Lady of Guadalupe. So Our Lady appeared many times in the history of the church. Guadalupe and Fatima are two of the biggest events. Our Lady's appearance at Fatima could be seen in a similar way as her appearance in Guadalupe. That's one of the ways I want to present this talk, couch it. In Guadalupe, the church, despite her good efforts, was unable to convert the pagan people of the Aztecs. However, through Our Lady directly, nine million people were converted in less than ten years. We all know the story of the miraculous image in St. Juan Diego's Tilma. Similarly, and this is one of the points I want to drive home, when Our Lady appeared at Fatima, it was in the context of a church dealing with a particular problem. It was reeling not simply from violent wars, which was the impetus for the petition of Pope Benedict XV to ask the church to pray to Our Lady for help, but it was also dealing with spiritual opposition from enemies both without and within. This is something we see today, which is why the message of Fatima is still relevant, even more relevant today, I would say, than 106 years ago. One pope, around the time of Our Lady's arrival, so looking at the historical context, Pope Leo XIII, who's very famous if you've studied spiritual warfare, he's very important, very relevant, he had, as we know, a very disturbing vision of demons surrounding the church, and he, as a result, commanded the whole world to pray the St. Michael the Archangel prayer daily. Another pope, Pope St. Pius X, publicly decried and exposed the fact that the enemies of the church had entered within her own ranks and were now counted among her own priests. He said in 1907, so just 10 years before Our Lady appeared, 
a notable increase in the number of the enemies of the cross of Christ, who by arts entirely new and full of deceit are striving to destroy the vital energy of the church and as far as in them lies utterly to subvert the very kingdom of Christ. Wherefore, we may no longer keep silence. This is ten years before Our Lady appeared. He continued in that same document, This matter is made imperative especially by the fact that the partisans of error are to be sought not only among the church's open enemies, so there were open enemies in public, but what is to be most dreaded and deplored in her very bosom. We allude, venerable brethren, that's the bishops he's talking to in the letter, to many who belong to the Catholic laity and, what is much more sad, to the ranks of the priesthood itself. Just three years later, in 1910, St. Pius X added to this warning that there is a great movement of apostasy being organized in every country for the establishment of a one-world church which shall have neither dogmas nor hierarchy, neither discipline for the mind nor curb for the passions. And that piece is very relevant today as we see the rampant moral depravity both in and outside of the church. Tolerated, too, far too wide in the church. These evils have been condemned by previous popes, such as Pope Leo XIII, who focused on the threat posed by the Freemasons, using language that highlighted the reality of a real and open conflict between the kingdom of Satan and the kingdom of God, and he named it the kingdom of Satan. St. Maximilian Kolbe witnessed these same Freemasons parade in front of St. Peter's declaring publicly, Satan must rule in the Vatican. Further, St. Maximilian Kolbe quoted the Freemasons as professing, we will conquer the Catholic Church not by argumentation, but by moral corruption. There's the morality issue again. This moral corruption within the church and the world could not be more obvious today. The year that St. Maximilian Kolbe witnessed these things was 1917, the same year that Our Lady of Fatima appeared. Further, in the middle of the Great War in that same year, 1917, Pope Benedict XV lamented that all human efforts had been exhausted and only Our Lady could possibly bring peace to the world. So we have a similar lament today. It was in this situation that Our Lady came down from heaven to bring her message of peace. This message, while initially pertaining to the cry of the church for physical peace among the nations, was not simply for the issue of this physical conflict, but through its focus on prayer, penance, and the warnings of the persecution of the church and an apostasy which the church would suffer, pertained also to the greater laments and fears which burdened the church then, as voiced frequently by the Vicar of Christ, and which even more so burdened the church today as voiced by those members of the mystical body of Christ who still remain faithful to the Lord. Our Lady warned in 1917 of the spreading of the errors of Russia, which would decimate the world if they were not blocked by her plan of peace. These errors we have now seen were not limited to communism. The godless political systems which Russia possessed, which initially demonstrated that specific threat in 1917, have grown and given birth to a host of errors which can truly be seen to have Satan himself as their author. And that goes back to Pope Leo's vision. Some of these errors can be described as totalitarianism, which we have seen rampant today in the era of COVID. Secularism, materialism, feminism, which are only increasing. The destruction of the family, abortion, which, as I will talk about a lot in my new book, which will actually be two volumes, abortion is very clearly now and very publicly a satanic and occultic ritual. 
and all sorts of other moral depravities. Further, the godlessness at the heart of the errors of Russia is producing the fruit of a return to occultic practices, which are now appearing in all sectors of society, including among the faithful and among members of the hierarchy. The fact that Satan is the mastermind behind these evils can be seen in the way the church condemns him within the rite of exorcism. In the traditional rite of exorcism, the church labels the devil with these kinds of terms. And this is his temperament, his disposition, what he likes to do. He is a horrible creature, a monster, the foe of the human race, the shirker of justice, the traitor of nations, the source of discord, the teacher of heretics, the seducer full of deceit and perfidy, the root of all evil, the seducer of men, the model of vileness, the enemy of virtue, the fomenter of vice, the carrier of death, the exciter of sorrows. And I'm just skimming over the list. Thus, the message of Fatima was both a message of peace, given so that the world may avoid these errors in the beginning, if we had obeyed her plan, but also, in light of the failure of the church to block these errors, it was a message intended to help the church to eventually counter the spread of a full-scale diabolical disorientation of mankind, both in the world and in the church, which would be the evil fruit which these errors would bring. The prayer of the rosary and the embrace of fasting and self-denial, which are at the heart of her message, are spiritual tools that purify and strengthen the soul and make it resilient in the face of the assaults of our demonic enemies. Essentially, Our Lady knew that the collapse of Christendom would eventually lead to a return to paganism across the globe, and that many in the church would fall into this infidelity, embracing the same madness that infected the rest of mankind. As a result, the church in the person of the Holy Father would have much to suffer as he watched his children languish in the poisonous seas that would overrun the world. Already, as in the time of Our Lady's appearance in Guadalupe in 1531, when the church was trying to convert the pagan Aztecs but failing, the church in 1917 was working to avert this sad trajectory of mankind and of the church, which Our Lady would warn about at Fatima. In both of these apparitions, Our Lady took up the current efforts of the church and addressing them herself provided the solution, one in which her own intervention was a key element. We can see this when we look at the efforts of the popes who immediately preceded Our Lady's arrival in Fatima. The same Pope Leo XIII, who promulgated the St. Michael prayer worldwide, also penned 12 encyclicals on the rosary, highlighting the very attributes of this powerful devotion that Our Lady would rely on in her call to prayer. Of course, we also know the rosary is a key spiritual weapon celebrated by Padre Pio, St. Dominic, and all exorcists. It is a key prayer of meditation that purifies the mind and blocks the power of the devil to tempt us. Pope St. Pius X, who warned of the infiltration of the enemies of Christ into the sacred priesthood, also warned of a universal apostasy that was growing among the nations, which Our Lady would also address in her secret to the children. Stepping back a little bit to 1741, Pope Benedict XIV lamented what was the first manifestation of the coming laxity in the church's penitential disciplines, which would continue to relax into the days of Pope Pius XII and more severely in the days following the council. Pope Benedict XIV in 1741 said the following, which is very, very much resembles what Our Lady said. He said, Should mankind grow remiss in their observance of Lent and fasting in general, 
It would be a detriment to God's glory, a disgrace to the Catholic religion, and a danger to Christian souls. Neither can it be doubted that such negligence would become the source of misery to the world, of public calamity and of private woe. So the absence of penance and fasting will lead to those things. So Our Lady took up this morning herself, calling on the world to embrace penance once again, as was dramatically seen in the apparition of the angel who cried out at Fatima penance while pointing a fiery sword at the earth. In the time that followed her appearance, when the world observed the punishment which she warned would come if we did not cease sinning, World War II, subsequent popes lamented the fulfillment of her warning, seeing in it a still unfolding struggle with evil. Pope Pius XII foresaw the effort that would be made by the enemies of Christ who had infiltrated her own ranks, which had already been warned about by Pius X. And they would seek to destroy the liturgy and the faith itself. Pope Pius XII said, A day will come when the civilized world will deny its God, when the church will doubt as Peter doubted. She will be tempted to believe that man has become God, that his son is only a symbol, a philosophy like so many others. Shortly after the council, Paul VI, who led the very upheaval of the church's liturgy that Pius XII warned about, said that despite the optimistic promises of the reformers at the council, quote, what came after the council were days of clouds, of storms, of darkness, of searching, and of uncertainty. When he gave this talk, going further, he highlighted the diabolical nature of the situation that he saw the church was in, acknowledging that new and mysterious evils had entered the church. He began his famous statement, the smoke of Satan has entered the church of God, with the words, quote, we would say that through some mysterious crack, and then he interrupts himself. When he continues, he clarifies, no, it's not mysterious. In the same speech, Paul VI later added, we believe in something that is preternatural, that has come into the world precisely to disturb, to suffocate the fruits of the council, and to impede the church. And preternatural would be a reference to the diabolical. This period of clouds of storms, of darkness, of searching, of uncertainty, was also followed by a near-total abandonment of the traditional faith, including popular piety and devotion such as adoration and the use of the rosary, as well as the traditional beliefs regarding sacramentals, diabolical activity, and the efficacy of exorcisms. The number of exorcists, for example, plummeted after the council, becoming nearly extinct, only to begin to rise again during the 1990s with the effort of Father Gabriel Amorth and a few other exorcists, who have successfully rekindled the church's attention to this ministry. In addition to these, the St. Michael prayer commanded by Pope Leo XIII was dropped without any good reason provided. So all the way to our own day today, warnings have been given by Pope John Paul II and Pope Benedict XVI about the conflict which the church is now facing with what John Paul II called the anti-church, the gospel with the anti-gospel. Whether or not we are nearing the end of the world, we do not know. One generation will. Cardinal Burke himself, though, over five years ago, speculated that we might be at such a point in the history of the world. When a global apostasy is evident, and when we remember our Lord's words that most Christians will fall away in the end times, the gravity of our situation becomes all the more apparent. Today, as the world and too many members of the church embrace a diabolical insanity and tolerate and condone a whole host of moral evils, the warning at Fatima is seen in its full truth. 
Faithful cardinals and bishops are decrying a spreading heresy and apostasy within the church, and exorcists are highlighting the rise and the presence of the occult within both the world and the church herself. It is here that we see the connection between Fatima and spiritual warfare. When Our Lady appeared at Fatima, she promised that her Immaculate Heart would one day triumph. As in Guadalupe, it could be imagined that Our Lady knew in 1917 that in the days in which the errors of Russia had reached their peak, the Church would be unable to convert the nations back from such a state without her intercession. In our day, with these errors seemingly at their peak, we are also living through a resurgence of interest and and awareness in spiritual warfare. While it is primarily a movement of interest among the laity due to the lack of belief among too many bishops and priests, it is nonetheless bearing significant fruit for the church as a renewed form of sanctification of the faithful. Within this spiritual warfare movement is a greatly increased awareness of the power of Our Lady and of her ability to indeed triumph over every sort of evil. This is led by the number of faithful exorcists who are speaking publicly and spreading far and wide the necessity of having recourse to Our Lady and to her rosary, and to a life of penance as she prescribed. She is taught by exorcists to possess what is called perfect coercive power over demons. When she, as she does, as do many angels and saints, when she intercedes in an exorcism, the demon involved is immediately driven out of the person. This is the perfect coercive power. She shows up and the possession ends. The spiritual fraternity known as Auxilium Christianorum has promoted well and far and wide as also the reliance on Our Lady as virgin most powerful. More and more stories are appearing in which Our Lady is also seen to exhibit a similar power to rid individual Christians of attachments to evil. This goes back uh, centuries in the life of the church, but publicly more and more people are speaking out. One individual that I spoke to for my upcoming book who was harmed by the presence of the occult within the clergy and as a result was oppressed by several demons is thoroughly convinced that their trial with evil and their liberation with the help of an exorcist, which happened by a miraculous intervention of Our Lady, were signs of how Our Lady will one day triumph over the evil that has also saturated the world and the church. So as a result, the church is in desperate need of an increase in devotion to the Holy Rosary and to penance. These two are indispensable spiritual weapons which call down countless graces for ourselves, for the church, and for the world. Here is why the message of Fatima is of the utmost importance. Without prayer and penance, the world will continue its descent into heresy, apostasy, moral depravity, and occultic curiosities. The church will have much to suffer, and nations destroyed internally by sin will face easy annihilation. Our personal and united spiritual works truly do have a power to call down graces, as Our Lady says. This is why Our Lady called upon us to embrace them, and we must understand that this is the teaching and experience of the church. Pope Pius XII, in his great encyclical Mystici Corporis Christi, which I encourage all of you to read for many reasons, He made it very clear that we have a role in the distribution of graces from the mystical body of Christ. He says that Christ, who won for us an ineffable flow of graces, willed to impart these graces to mankind only through a visible church made up of men. In this, he says, all might cooperate with him in dispensing the graces of redemption. 
he continues saying, Christ makes use of the church that the work begun might endure. As a result of our Lord's decision to incorporate us into his body and use us to dispense grace, the Holy Father said, quote, Christ has need of his members and wills that in some way the distribution of grace be due to her action. As a result, he says, the salvation of many depends on the prayers and voluntary penances of the members of the mystical body of Jesus Christ. And he also says, the greater or lesser abundance of these graces will depend in no small part on our own good works, which draw down on the souls of men a rain of heavenly gifts freely bestowed by God. So with this, the rosary is key and penance is key. When we look at the teachings on the rosary as Pope Leo XIII put forth, who also, remember, promulgated the St. Michael prayer throughout the world, had the disturbing vision of demons hovering over the church and warned about the conflict between the kingdom of Satan and the kingdom of God, we see that there is a great precedent in his writings, 30 years before Our Lady came, for Our Lady's call to take up this devotion with renewed zeal, as well as a great need to take up this as the world and the church reel in the face of an increased intensity to our own spiritual warfare today. So just skimming over Pope Leo Thirteenth, he has 12 documents on the rosary. The benefits of the rosary include power. The rosary has an indescribable power. These are quotes from Pope Leo Thirteenth: Indescribable power over the heart of Mary. The rosary increases our faith. The faith that we profess better brings forth a harvest of fruits through praying the rosary. Our faith is confirmed. We are protected against the disease of error and the strength of our souls are increased. The rosary also addresses Our Lady's warnings about errors, the errors of Russia. The rosary is the ready and easy means to nurture our faith and keep us from the ignorance of our religion and the danger of error. Remember St. Dominic, who popularized the rosary in his defense conquest against these great heretics. He could not do it, could not defeat the heresies of his day without the rosary. St. Germain of Constantinople said in a poetic form of Mary, Hail thou fountain springing forth by God's design whose rivers flowing over in pure and unsullied waves of orthodoxy put to flight the hosts of error. Further, the rosary is a weapon against demons. Pope Leo XIII spoke of Our Lady as the conqueror of the evil one and of all errors, joining those two things together. We see the connection between Satan and heresy. And if you remember, the rite of exorcism addresses Satan, calling him the teacher of heretics. Guided, in fact, by divine inspiration and grace, St. Dominic foresaw that this devotion, the rosary, like a most powerful warlike weapon, would be the means of putting the enemy to flight and of confounding their audacity and mad impiety. So here we see a connection that's important as well, a connection between the demons, the enemy, and the audacity and impiety of those men who follow the demons. Our Lord and Pope Leo XIII spoke several times about evildoers as being sons of the evil one. In our Lord's parable of the sower, Matthew 13, the weeds and the wheat, while the wheat refers to the sons of the kingdom, our Lord says, the weeds refer to the sons of the evil one. These are individuals who will follow Satan and do Satan's will. Our Lord had also warned the Jews, likewise saying, you are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. Pope Leo XIII warned that the kingdom of Satan, which is opposing the kingdom of God, included all those who follow 
the fatal example of Satan as well as Adam and Eve going against God and his divine laws. The rosary, which Our Lady talked about as well, also appeases the anger of God. Gregory the Thirteenth, which Pope Leo the Thirteenth quotes, said the rosary had been instituted by St. Dominic to appease the anger of God and to implore the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Gregory Thirteenth lived in 1585. So diabolical activity, which is on the increase today, like the scourge of war and the spread of the errors of Russia, is also a punishment from God as a result of sin. If we stay in a state of grace, if we avoid sin, we avoid diabolical activity almost 100%. When we go off into mortal sin and stay in a life of sin, we expose ourselves to diabolical activity. The rosary, key now as we see the fall of the nations, and also key when Our Lady warned of the annihilation of the nations due to the errors of Russia, Pope Leo XIII talked about the rosary converting nations. He said, we are convinced that the rosary, if devoutly used, is bound to benefit not only the individual, but society at large. Through Mary, may all the faithful strive to obtain from her divine son that the nations plunged in error may return to the Christian teaching and precepts, in which is the foundation of the public safety and the source of peace and true happiness. So he joined a lot there that Our Lady said in that one quote, the nations plunged in error. The rosary can bring them back to Christian teaching and precepts, and the rosary is the foundation of public safety and peace in the world. The rosary also possesses a healing power for the evils of the age, which we have many of. And he also said that we who seek a remedy for similar evils as St. Dominic endured with the heresies of his day do not doubt, therefore, that the prayer introduced by that most blessed man at so much advantage to the Catholic world we do not doubt that it will have the greatest effect in removing the calamities of our times also. That's Pope Leo XIII. So for us, for Our Lady in 1917, still today, the rosary can remove the calamities we suffer. Further, the rosary addresses the issue of enduring great trials. This devotion, Pope Leo XIII said, so great and so confident to the august Queen of Heaven has never shone forth with such brilliancy as when the militant Church of God has seemed to be endangered by the violence of heresy spread abroad or by an intolerable moral corruption or by the attacks of powerful enemies. So he's saying that the rosary shines forth with great brilliancy when we are under attack by heresy, intolerable moral corruption, and the attack of powerful enemies. 1917 and today. The rosary, therefore, we can see to be truly an instrument of grace and spiritual combat, in particular for our current age, which endures all of these ills. Now, looking at penance, which is very important, especially as we approach Lent. In addition to taking up the rosary daily, we must also embrace the spirit of penance and mortification, recalling the angel, the image of the angel who cried out penance three times while pointing the fiery sword at the earth. Remember, Our Lady was blocking the flames that he wanted to send forth as a punishment from God. Pope Benedict XIV, speaking on fasting and Lent, as we already mentioned before, he also said, the observance of Lent, with fasting and penance included, is the very badge of the Christian warfare. So Our Lady's call to penance is a call to Christian warfare, which is spiritual warfare. By it we prove ourselves not to the enemies of the cross of Christ. By it we avert the scourges of divine justice, by it we gain strength against the princes of darkness, for it shields us with heavenly help. St. Francis de Sales, 
um, which I have in my book, said that even if we are able to do but little regarding fasting, if we're only able to do a little, the enemy, the devil, nevertheless stands more in awe of those whom he knows can fast. If the devil knows we're capable of fasting, he's a little bit afraid of us. Uh, stands in awe is the wording he uses. Father Amor said that beyond a certain limit, the devil is not able to resist the power of prayer and fasting. So prayer and fasting, the rosary and penance, we put those together, would be a key part of the solution to our times. We must imitate the great penitents in the image of the three shepherd children of Fatima. As Pope Leo XIII said, this is a great quote here, There will be no evil which the envy of man or the rage of devils can invent, nor calamity which can fall upon the individual or the community, over which we shall not triumph by the patience of suffering. For this reason, it it has been truly said that it belongs to the Christian to do and to endure great things. For he who deserves to be called a Christian must not shrink from following in the footsteps of Christ. The great ecclesial writer, Dom Guéringer, spoke about the importance of penance when it is embraced by many within the church together. Remember, Our Lady called for all of us to embrace prayer and penance together. Rosary rallies are a big way to do that these days. He said about corporal penance, well, penance is a body, he said, a private work of devotion has neither the merit nor the efficacy of one that is done in company with the church and in communion with her public act. For the church, as bride of Christ, communicates an exceptional worth and power to works of penance done in her name in the unity of the social body. Pope Leo XIII said the same, public prayers are much more excellent and more efficacious than private ones. Not excluding the power of private prayer, obviously. These works of prayer and fasting will, as our Lord says, have the greatest power in driving out demons. Further, they will rid our lives of sin, cure us of many ills which sin brings, such as the darkening of the intellect, leading men to believe what is false and follow after lies, and the increased vulnerability to diabolical influences. Further, these good works, as Pope Pius XII said, will draw down on the souls of men a rain of heavenly gifts freely bestowed by God. So if you think about that image, draw down on the souls of men a rain of heavenly gifts freely bestowed by God, combine that with the image of Our Lady's triumph, Our Lady's triumph would be a raining down of grace on mankind, and she wants us to pray and do penance to help draw forth her triumph and prepare for it. To wrap up with a little bit of, you know, gloom and hope at the same time, as I have been doing already, uh, (laughs) the errors which we see widespread today are tearing apart both the world and the church. Our particular concern are those which have crippled the holiness of the church. Now, the holiness of the church, exorcists talk about it, that exorcists see it in their own ministry. When the church fails to pray in penance, those graces that Pope Pius XII talked about are not flowing. Exorcists feel it. Their ministry suffers. But the opposite's the case, too. When the holiness of the church is on the rise, exorcists find casting out demons is easier. So they are a great witness to the power of the mystical body of Christ being holy. But today we see a lack of holiness. Exorcists speak out about that a lot. The errors which have harmed the mystical body of Christ are, looking back to Pope Pius X, the fruits of the efforts of the wicked clergy, 
that he condemned in 1907. And the wording he used is very uh, disturbing, but it's refreshing to hear it because we won't think we're as crazy as some people might want us to think we are. He said, These wicked clergy are thoroughly imbued with the poisonous doctrines taught by the enemies of the church and, and lost to all sense of modesty, put themselves forward as reformers of the church forming more boldly into line of attack, assail all that is most sacred in the work of Christ. They put into operation their designs for her undoing, not from without, but from within. Hence, the danger is present almost in the very veins and heart of the church. This is 1907. Moreover, they lay the axe not to the branches and shoots, but to the very root, that is, to the faith and its deepest fibers. They proceed to diffuse poison through the whole tree, so that there is no part of Catholic truth which they leave untouched, none that they do not strive to corrupt. Now, Pope Pius X is condemning what he calls modernism, the heresy of all heresies, the collection of everything, very sophisticatedly preached to the world, just like Satan would do. And it's a deceptive voice that animates this heresy. When Pope Benedict XV called upon the church to seek Our Lady's help to bring an end to the bloody and great war in 1917, he used imagery that should inspire us today, we who are watching the world and the church descend into the chaos of moral madness and who are watching fearfully as our own children grow up in this poisoned culture. Pope Benedict XV called it in 1917, you know, eight days before Our Lady appeared, called it this terrible hour and called on the church as her, meaning Our Lady's most afflicted children, more than ever in this terrible hour, to turn with lively confidence to the august mother of God. Lively confidence, which we need to have today. But the imagery he uses next, talking about that time, is reminiscent of the struggles that we are going to hear. He said, To Mary then, who is the mother of mercy and omnipotent by grace, let loving and devout appeal go up from every corner of the earth, from noble temples and tiniest chapels, from royal palaces and mansions of the rich, as from the poorest hut, from blood-drenched plains and seas, let it bear to her the anguished cries of mothers and wives, the wailing of innocent little ones, the sighs of every generous heart, that her most tender and benign solicitude may be moved, and the peace we ask for be obtained for our agitated world. So we can see in that imagery, anguished cry of mothers, so many Children are losing the faith or abandoning the faith or being swept away by the culture and now swept into the occult. The blood-drenched plains and seas can easily be this spiritual slaughter, if you transpose the imagery to today, that we are seeing as people abandon the faith. And the wailing of innocent little ones, not simply abortion, which is a grave, grave evil, a satanic evil, but also the destruction of faith. If we look at the schools, you know, the errors of Russia has infiltrated everything down to kindergarten. So we likewise, seeing that all human efforts have been exhausted, it seems, to reverse the course that we are on, we must turn to Our Lady and entrust our pleas for the restoration of the church and the world to her most powerful intercession, hoping that, as at Fatima in 1917, she may soon respond powerfully to our petitions as well. So I'll stop there, and I do have a little extra time for questions because I move fast. Let's stop with a glory be. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall.
world without end. So I do have a little extra time for questions, if anyone has questions on Fatima or spiritual warfare or anything I said. I'll repeat the question so that everyone can hear. She asked, you said that there was an encyclical that you recommend for us to read. Which one is it? It's uh, Mystici Corporis Christi. If you look it up in English, On the Mystical Body of Christ, Pope Pius XII. Yeah, it's great. I don't, know, I don't know if it's long. It's refreshing. It hits so many topics, yeah. How great it is to be Catholic, the need to be Catholic, and also uh, the power of grace. Question? The question, regarding Auxilium Christianorum, can we get that somewhere? Yeah, so the Auxilium Christianorum is a group, it's a spiritual fraternity, I don't know if they call it a confraternity, but a spiritual fraternity was created by exorcists, two or three, who realized they needed this prayer support, leaning on what Pope Pius XII said about the graces we can call down. They need our support for their ministry more and more, so they created this spiritual fraternity that you can join, uh, where you do certain prayers, very reasonable prayers, the rosary every day and a certain prayer each day, devotion to our Virgin Most Powerful, Our Lady under that title, St. Michael as well. And then joining together these penances and prayers together, it goes into the mystical body of Christ, and then the exorcists essentially pull from it. But it protects people who are oppressed, possessed, struggling, that exorcists are working with, protects us as well from getting any kind of diabolical attacks from this culture. Some say that your spiritual life will increase or intensify a little bit, uh, but not to be feared. Uh, there is a recommendation, talk to your pastor and make sure that your prayer life is strong enough, because the devil does like to retaliate against us, but Auxilium Christianorum is a defensive mechanism, so take it up and don't be afraid of the devil. Yeah, if you Google Auxilium Christianorum, you know, A-U-X, Auxilium, it's um, Help of Christians, Our Lady Help of Christians. It'll go to your website, to his website. Father Ripperger has it on his website. I'm not sure if it's Census Traditionis. And it has an app for your phone. Yep, good. There's also an app, Auxilium Christianorum, that you can download to your phones, and then on every given day, the prayers will appear on that app. Uh, they're pretty short. Again, just take a few minutes. They change by day of the week, you know, Sunday through Saturday. And the strongest recommendation uh, from Father Ripperger is that you pray them three times a day at 6 a.m., at noon, and at 6 p.m., and that you do that without fail because there's a great deal of, let's say, sacrifice involved in doing them at those times, and that sacrifice of keeping that discipline is a great measure of the merit. And a book with all of those prayers, and also many more, which you can find online, is called Deliverance Prayers for Use by the Laity. We actually have some copies in the back right now. If you do get it, that's a very good introduction. Please do read it. Make sure you read it and follow the guidelines in it. The question. Any resources or materials that can help families today to have some judgment about the penances they should do? In particular, to make sure that we are not too soft on ourselves and that we don't go to the other extreme, that we balance it. What did families do once upon a Catholic time? I don't know of a resource because I struggle with that as well. Yeah, yeah, not just chocolate, yeah. But we live in such a uh, materialistic culture. Our kids are seeing it. They're absorbing materialism even if, even if we don't want them to. 
And as somebody said, maybe my wife, that uh, it's very difficult, maybe even statistically, the number of people who go into the missionaries of charity from the United States, I think, is low, because, or from you know first world countries, because it's hard to flip from the coddled materialism we have here to real penance. So I think that's one of the things that, that Our Lady, that's uh, like super heroic for us to return to penance, because we're we're so anti-penitential in this culture. And there's actually a movement, 1 Peter 5, is pushing something, I can't remember what it's called, the Sodality of St. Nicholas. Just It's a voluntary program where you go back, you embrace the traditional penances of Lent, and, and the whole year. That, that is tough for us. So I wish I had a resource. Make that your rosary intention, that she would teach you how to do it. This is one of my favorite questions, because I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the Fatima Center's calendar. That's a question we've asked ourselves. And so in putting this calendar together each year, we put the traditional fasting and abstinence days and practices that the church mandated, so this is by church law, back in 1917 when Our Lady appeared. So again, what we have in this calendar would have been the minimum required of all Catholics by universal church law in 1917. And interestingly, today, most people think, boy, this is a lot. But I don't think anyone could say that this isn't a balanced, a standard balanced minimum, because, in fact, the church legislated it. And recall, even at that time, Our Lady was asking us for penance, penance, penance. And yes, certainly, uh, if you didn't hear it, as this lady mentioned, we can certainly look to the examples given to us by St. Jacinta, St. Francisco, and Lucia, the children of Fatima, uh, because the sacrifices they made, I'm talking about even as children, six, eight, nine years old. I mean, surely we can do that. Yeah. Maybe they need to be our intercessors. You know, turn to them more to share the grace they have. The question. A theme you touched on that I have been thinking about is how in the Old Testament, Pharaoh was hardened in his heart with some very obvious stuff, and yet they couldn't conclude it was God. So that in the end... God could shine very clearly through his victory. So I was wondering, with all this stuff going on in so many levels of society, and even in the church, it doesn't seem like anyone can get a handle on this, but ultimately, as you said, victory will come from God, and then no one will be able to deny it, and that that will come through our Blessed Mother. I'm seeing that pattern. Yeah, that, that's kind of the theme I was, I was seeing with, with uh, Guadalupe. It's like they, they couldn't convert the Aztecs, so then Our Lady just came down and just did it. You know, through a miracle, through a humble miracle, a painting, a supernatural painting, obviously, but it had the depth of it is just inconceivable. So, I mean, that's why the heirs of Russia are still destroying the world, decimating us today. Like it's, it's not getting any better. So the only way to stop it would be a supernatural manifestation, probably from Our Lady in her triumph, whatever that'll look like. But then it'll convince, convert the nations, hopefully, will be the key. Because like the power that just reversed this is undeniable. The question. I think there's a real temptation among faithful Catholics today to see all the problems in the church and think that the church must no longer be. Can you think of one main response to that to help them see that the church is still here and that prayer and penance, Our Lady, that's the proper response so that they don't jump ship, so to speak. Yeah, well, I'd say two things. One, there's sufficient evidence that the church is God's still. 
And I think that's why spiritual warfare is so important now, because it's proving to people that there is a flow of supernatural power into the world right now through exorcists, through Our Lady directly. There are miracles still happening through the church, through the Catholic Church. So that one. And then also the, uh, you know, you don't want to live in the end times because almost everybody will abandon the faith. And for the sake of the elect, Christ will come back because it's so bad. So if it ever feels like it's that bad, that Catholic, devout Catholics are ready to jettison the church, well, you know, maybe, maybe we need to realize where we are in the history of everything and hunker down and uh, accept the fact that you might be living through the most terrible age of the church, and it's not going to be easy. So that's what I do is I, I'm in a hunker-down mode. I focus on things that are reliable in the church, the history of the church, the powers that I see, my own personal spiritual life, the works of mercy, good works, good deeds, and I ignore as much as possible, though I'm a, you know, a writer on things that are happening nowadays, how bad things look, when those things are unsolvable. So I guess humility is the key. Humility is the solution. Because there's a certain pride, certain pride there that they're declaring that they know the answer to the, to the problems. And their declaration is to jump out of the church, essentially. But humility is the key. Like, we don't understand what's going on. We don't understand why this is happening. We don't really get how bad it is, where it's going. But we're little children, you know, if we have the faith of a child, we trust God and just hunker down and focus on the things that are reliable. Like, that might be the best answer I can give at least. I think what I would say is what what I do is the part of the hunker down is reading the, the old popes and then praying and then trusting the Holy Spirit will inspire you with the answer. And if combined with humility and prudence and all the virtues you'll make the right decision. And it could be that we live in a time where the faith is gone. Like, what, what was it? I'm, my history is terrible. Was it China or Japan where the faith disappeared for like 300 years? They had no priests? Japan? We don't want that, but uh, it could happen. Here. Well, let me stop there. I, if you have just some other questions during the break so we can get a break. But, uh, thank you again. This presentation has been brought to you by the Fatima Center. Copyright 2023. All rights reserved. For more resources regarding the Catholic faith and the message of Fatima, and to support this vital apostolate with a donation, please visit our website, Fatima.org, or call us at 1-800-263-8160. All need to hear the message Our Lady brought the world at Fatima, and we must all faithfully observe it. So for the glory of God, the honor of Our Lady, and salvation of many souls, please share the Fatima message with everyone you know, and may Our Lady reward you. Our Lady of the Rosary, pray for us.